This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, we're looking for changed lives today. I don't know about you, I want my life changed. I'll tell you what, I, uh, I have regular sessions with Jesus every week. And uh, I was on my knees a couple days ago. And I did it again, what I do pretty often. I was on my knees worshiping Jesus in my prayer closet at home. I said, Jesus, I just want to tell you, I'm rededicating this morning. I'm telling you right now, Lord, I'm in this till you come back or I come to heaven. I want to serve you. Anything you want me to do, Lord, any place you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I want to follow your plan for my life. And I know what his plan is for me. He's got me as the pastor at High Desert Word Center. He sends lots of great people in every week that I'm able to influence with his word. Amen. And, and, and one of my highest goals for our services is not just the Bible being taught, but the presence of Jesus in the service. Amen. You know, a sinner can get up here and read the Bible to you. But we need a man or woman of God that lives for him. That when we come in here and we worship Jesus, that Jesus receives our worship. And he speaks to your heart. I was looking at John six sixty three this week. And Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you. And the way I see that verse is this. All the Bible is God talking, isn't it? But all the Bible doesn't become alive to me personally. But sometimes when I'm hearing the word of God being taught or I'm reading it, all of a sudden, I know in that verse, Jesus jumps out and talks to me through that verse. And so that's what we want today. We want Jesus to become more real to you through the verses you see. We want Jesus to speak to you because he said in John six sixty three, the words that I speak to Audrey, that's what will give her life. The words that I speak to Jacob, that will give him life. The words I speak to John, that's what will change John. And so we want the Word of God to speak to you today. And you notice the title there about counterfeit faith, genuine faith. And, uh, you know, sometimes I was worship, I wrote down something fresh the Lord gave me right before I got to come up to speak was this. How many know what counterfeit money is? You've heard of it. How many know what real money is? Okay, here's what the Lord said to me up there just, just a couple minutes ago. He said, counterfeiters are counterfeit money. They can fool a few people to start off. They can take counterfeit money and they can buy something and fool somebody, but eventually you're going to get caught. Well, there's counterfeit Christians. They can fool some people to start off with, but they never fool God. And counterfeit Christians eventually are exposed. And so we want to be genuine Christians. We want to be people of faith that live our faith. And what we're going to be talking about today in this faith walk is not so much about the kind of faith that you use when you pray or faith you step out to do something, but the faith in your character to live a real Christian life out there in the world where the challenges are. You know, there's probably people today that could say, a cuss word, just easy as they say, praise the Lord. But inside the church here today, in this atmosphere, they could be a real good Christian. 
because they're the Christian atmosphere. But step back out to the real world tomorrow, and it's no more praise the Lord. It's back to talking the other way again because they're out there somewhere else where it's a different atmosphere. But we're talking about today is how to be a Christian out there. And say praise the Lord out there as easy as you do inside the church. Amen. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 in the New Living Translation says this. Paul said, I remember your genuine faith. He said genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Uni. And so my purpose today as a spiritual father in the faith is to help you see yourself. Through the eyes of God's word, through the eyes of God's word, the most important thing that we can do as Christians to grow is to line ourselves up with the word of God and look at the word as a mirror, look at in it and let it reflect back to us what God sees that our life needs changed. I can't change my wife. Only she can change her. I can't. She can't change me. Only I can change me. We can pray one for another. We can hear good sermons preached. We can hear good testimonies. But only we, ourselves personally, can decide that's God talking to me. And I'm going to change. I'm going to be like that because the Bible says so. Amen. Amen. And so through the eyes of God's word today, I'm believing for many of us to be able to make adjustments and changes so that our faith will work in a greater measure. And our prayers will get answered more. It will be the kind of Christians that Jesus can be proud of. And so he said, I remember your genuine faith. That's your fill in the blanks there. Your genuine faith. And genuine, I looked this up on the dictionary.com thing. I like to pop those things up and see different things there. But I like this. Genuine means possessing the claimed or attributed character or origin, not counterfeit, but authentic and real. Not counterfeit, but authentic and real. And so the question that we will be able to look at in our lives today through the eyes of God's words is this. Do you have genuine faith or do you have counterfeit faith? Genuine faith or counterfeit faith? Well, you know, the good thing about good thing about counterfeiters, when they get caught, they go to prison they can change if they want to, and then come out and work for a living like everybody else and have real money to spend. And that's the thing about Christians. No matter where you are, that's why we come to church. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we pray, because there's nobody in here. Nobody in here. Start pointing back this way, first of all. Nobody in here that is perfect, that's never made a mistake, that doesn't still make mistakes. That doesn't do things wrong. But the good thing about Christians, the good thing about Christians, you know, this bumper sticker out a few years ago said, said Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And so the good thing about Christians is this, that like that last song we sang through the blood of Jesus, we mess up. First John 1, 9 says we can come to the Father in the name of Jesus and confess our sins. Says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness or cleanse us from what's not right in our life. And in that, in that cleansing there, from the Greek, part of that means this is help you to change, not to do what you did. 
Amen. That's part of that cleansing. It washes those things off of us. But that takes a Christian with a pure heart and not pride that's willing to say, I blew it. To God, number one. But then if other people are involved, to other people say, you know what? That was absolutely wrong. I did wrong. I did you wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And then if restitution is required, make restitution. Make things right. But the thing is, you can turn from a counterfeiter to a genuine. Amen. You can, you can be reformed. You can be re- renewed. And that word counterfeit means this. Made in exact imitation of something. An exact imitation of something valuable or important with the intention to deceive or defraud. With the intention to deceive or defraud. A fake, a phony. And my son Joe, how many know Joe's a Marine? He's down at Camp Pendleton right now. But anyway, a couple of days ago, Joe was telling me a story. We was talking about what he went through uh, basic training last year. And when he's going through that school there, that school of whatever it's called, school of infantry or whatever it is, I forget all the exact words. There's so many marine words that I didn't know they had that many words. But anyway, they're going through the training. And at that training, they're real serious. They give you rules of conduct. They tell you things you do and that you can't do. And they tell you, if we catch you violating this one time, you won't graduate. You're out of here. So anyway, talk with this one guy in there. That did all the stuff they did, all the uniforms, all the drills, all the everything they did, except one guy that one thing the guy was doing that you wasn't supposed to do, he was sneaking snacks into his pants and going back to the barracks and eating the snacks. And so guess what? The sergeant caught him. And I asked Joe what happened, and Joe said he didn't graduate. He was mixed in with the other guys following the rules. He didn't obey the code of conduct, and so he didn't get to finish the Marine school. So he did not get to become a Marine. And so God has a Bible that we call the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible is God's code of conduct for how Christians should live. And Christians that choose to live a phony life, they're counterfeits. And there comes a point in time when God will have to deal with it. And I know in my life, I don't know about you, but I know about me. That scares me. You know, I know a while back, uh, my kids that are real sharp on Facebook and stuff told me there's a Facebook thing going around, Christians doing all kinds of wrong things, bad things, post them on Facebook. And then somebody say, said, well, you know, you really shouldn't do that. And they'd say, you can't judge me, only God can. And then other people start putting on there, that ought to scare you enough right there to change. <laughs> I would much rather, I would much rather, if I was doing wrong, have one of you holy people. <laughs> have one of you holy people judge me, that almighty God. <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, what I'm saying is this. God tells us how to live, and we can fool the people some of the time. Some of the people we fool all the time, but we never fool God. And the one we look to to answer our prayers is who? Amen. And so we 
should want to live right for Jesus, whether we're in the church or out of the church. Because you come in here, you can smile, you can jump, you can testify. But if you get out there where you need prayers answered, you better want to make sure that Jesus is satisfied for your life and pleased with you. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway, there's benefits. There's benefits in the Marine Corps for doing right by what they tell you to do. And being a graduate and going through all the processes and things they do, there's benefits to living a genuine Christian life. There's benefits. And, you know, I'll give you one. A testimony blessed me. How many were here Wednesday night and saw the longs here when they were preaching Wednesday night? Well, they've been in the ministry. They've been in the ministry for over 50 years. And, you know, we do missionary things with them. And they drove up here from Florida. And they're, they're, you know, they're a little bit older in life. And her back was really, 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 really hurting her Wednesday from that long ride they had coming up here. And she asked me to lay hands on her and pray at the end of the service. She'd been in pain for like, this was Wednesday. She'd been in pain for about four days. Anyway, I laid hands on her and prayed the prayer of faith. And she texted us yesterday and said, I'm 100% better. It's all the way going. And that really, amen. The benefits, the benefits. And so that really blessed me because these people have been in the ministry almost longer than what I am alive and been able for Jesus to be able to get that off of her through me. That was just such a blessing. And I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on Jesus. And people living for him, there's benefits to living for Jesus. Amen. There's benefits when you pray to know he's going to answer prayers. Now I want you to look at Jude. I'm going to look at this in the King James Bible. Jude is just one chapter right before the book of Revelation. Now we're talking about genuine faith versus counterfeit faith. Jude 17 through 19, three verses I want to look at. It says this, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, he said some things that Jesus told the apostles, the apostles of Relay does and told us, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Well, we're living in the last days of the last time. We're living at the end of what the Bible calls the church age, the dispensation of grace. There's going to come a time really, really soon where Jesus is going to rapture the church out of here. There's going to begin seven years of tribulation. There's going to be a lot of things. The world's pretty tough right now. It's getting ready to get a whole lot tougher. But the Bible tells us a lot of things about the last days, the times we live in. He says these last days, these last times, are going to be mockers who should walk or live after their own ungodly lust, their ungodly passions. All you have to do is go on Facebook. You're going to see a lot of mockers on there. You never know. You never know when you see them come up. Are they going to have a nasty sexual thing on there today? Are they going to be having a scripture on there today talking about how good Jesus is? And then the next day, that's counterfeit. You can't live both ways. You're either in or you're out. You don't do it both ways. But that's what the Bible's talking about here in Mockers. It says, these be they who separate, means cause divisions. They separate themselves. And they're sensual, means they live worldly, having not the Spirit, having not the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 18, I want you to notice, 
He said mockers. And that word mock means this, to live an insincere or counterfeit lifestyle. And that's what we're talking about is genuine faith versus counterfeit faith. And he says right here, the last days, so that's going to be a common thing. That's going to be counterfeiters, counterfeit Christians. They're going to be mockers that live a insincere or counterfeit life. And we're coming to the place that Jesus wants me to help you with. I was looking at some notes this week from August 30th of 2015. And Jesus spoke these words to me. I'm writing down just how he spoke to me. He said, tell them the counterfeit money example. And so that's what I'm going to do. And they're going to look at this a little bit closer. I've been told that people being trained to be bank tellers never get to see counterfeit money. They show them nothing but real money. They know real money so well. They know what it feels like. They know what every little thing looks like. That automatically, if counterfeit money comes across their sight or their touch, they know immediately This is wrong. This is phony money. This is counterfeit. Because they know the real so well. And he told me that Christians will not know genuine Christianity from counterfeit Christianity unless pastors teach them. And so, in other words, we're going to major so much on what's real that automatically... When somebody tries to sell you a phone, you're going to, wait a minute, no, that is not the Word of God. That is not lie, in line with the Word of God. And I, I'll tell you the area specifically, I'm not going to get into it today, he was talking about was all the Christians in their sexual lives. Our society is so soaked in wrong sexual relationships and wrong things going on that so many Christians there are that don't know the Bible, they don't know the difference between what's right and what's wrong, because they've been soaked in the wrong. And so pastors don't need to keep on preaching against the wrong. We keep showing you the right so much. Showing you the right so much. Showing you right so much. That people know. That's not the way I'm supposed to do it. Because here's what God says. If you're going to be a real Christian. Amen. I want to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, Christians have seen counterfeit faith so long, they don't know what real Bible faith looks like. Unless we, that God's anointed and called to stand in the holy pulpit, show you what it is. And so you can't spend counterfeit money, and you can't, listen to this, you can't live a counterfeit life and have God's blessing. You can't spend counterfeit money. And you can't live a counterfeit life if you want God's blessing. Now, here's another way to say it. My pastor, Dr. Mark Barclay, says it like this a lot of times. The reason some Christians get very few prayers answered is they come to church and bad like a sheep and go back to the world and live like a pig. Amen. How many know that Jesus calls us his sheep? He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. Sheep bath. What do pigs do? They live in the mud. They live in the filth. They live in the filth. They eat filth. They waller in filth. And they're filthy. Well, what is it like to live in the sinful world? It's a bad place to live. They, they feed on garbage. They feed on pornography. They feed on everything that's wrong. They live in it. They're soaked in it. And Christians that come into church are bad like a sheep. 
They'll go back out to live in the filth of the world and they, they, and they live like a pig. They don't get blessed. Amen. I told you sometimes those shoes rub wrong. <laughs> Amen. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew 7, verse 13. And we're talking about the difference between a counterfeit life and a genuine life. And, and you know, something I've learned as a pastor over the years is this. The devil, the Bible says, is a deceiver. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. And I know that myself, from sitting out there on your side for a lot of years before I got to be on this side, I sat out there and it's the same in every church. Everybody puts on their best behavior in church. Nobody in church must let somebody else think that they live a fearful life. Or if you're at a faith church, believes in healing things. What you know, they've, they've been sick. Or you live in a church that teaches about the benefits of tithing and giving to God, how God rebukes the devourer. He blesses you and helps you, things like that. And so because we don't sit in here and do all of our bad mouth talking about our finances, our family stuff in church, everybody sitting in the church thinks, I'm the only one in here that's having money problems. I'm the only one in this church today that has problems with my teenage kids. I'm the only one in here today. All these other people might as well be angels because they're all perfect. And I'm the only one in here that's having these battles in life when the truth is everybody is that's in here. They got something going on, but the devil lies to you and makes you think you're the only one. I remember one time back in Indianapolis, back in the early 80s, I went, to, I came to our Wednesday night service, our church. I was, I was a truck driver and we had a lot of people in the church. We were going through a lot of financial struggles of all the kids we had and stuff going on and getting laid off sometimes and things like that. And man, we come into the church, it's almost like you step into the, the fairy tale world. You like some of you see some of these things on TV. You walk into the church and all of a sudden, all the ugly I saw out there is gone. Everybody's just floating around there. Wow. Look at all these blessed people. Oh, they got glory all over them. Look at them. Everybody is so blessed. There's no people here to have Financial problems. Man, look at all these perfect kids. Look at all those teenagers. Everybody in here is just perfect. Man, look at all those nice cars. Everything is going so well in here. I'm not going to open my mouth and let them know what's going on in my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's so good. Knowing that when I step out the door, me and the devil's going to go walking down the road again tell me, you're broke, you're broke, you're broke. Dumb car, dumb car, dumb car. Where are you going to get your gas at now? What are you going to do tomorrow? How are you going to pay the rent? And all that stupid stuff. But in there, it's the glory, glory, glory. And I remember I got set free that night. A, a young lady in the church, the pastor, wanted to give a testimony for some reason on a Wednesday night. And she was, you know, I thought that was one of the most perfect families in the church. And she came up there and gave a testimony about how some financial struggles they've been having and how God came through and God blessed them. I remember I was sitting there in that seat and I thought, what? I started looking around me, and all of a sudden, it's like blinders came off. I said, man, this is real people. Man, this isn't super saints. This is real people. If that family had problems they needed help with, and I've got problems I need help with, then everybody in here, we're all facing the same things. And I'll tell you what, from that day forward, my Christian life was changed, where I saw life different. So when I'm saying these things today... If it's stepping on your toes, probably the best thing to do is just 
either keep a straight face or say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I've got these people hearing this. <laughs> Amen. And so we're saying things. We're saying things so God can help us change. And I just want to remind you saying this, that you are not the only one in this church today that's facing something in life. You're not the only one that's ever sinned. You're not the only one that's ever fell backwards. You're not the only one that struggled today about coming to church this morning because you thought, what's the use? What's the use? But I guess I'll go one more time. I guess I'll try it again. You're not the only one. But you are the only one that can make the choice today of the decision I want to change today. You are the only one in your life that can say, I see that in the Bible because that's in the Bible. That's God talking to me because that's God talking to me. I'm going to do what God says to do. I'm going to do it his way. And I know when I do it his way, God doesn't lie. And I know also I don't have the strength myself to change. I've got a heart and I've got a mouth. And I can open my mouth and speak from my heart and say, Jesus, I need your help. I want to change. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit, how he does it, I don't know. The Bible calls it grace. But by his grace, something inside of me changes and it affects my outside. And I begin to make changes. And then as I look backwards, I think, wow, I can't believe I ever acted like that. I can't believe I ever used to fall for that. And that's a whole new, brand new way of life. That's called growing. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we're growing today. And so Matthew chapter 7, New Living Translation. Jesus said this. You can enter into God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. For the many who choose that way. Say this. Say, I'm choosing to go the narrow way. I'm choosing to go God's way. I'm not going the broad way. The broad way leads to hell. At least a destruction. But then Jesus said, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless pastors. What's it say? Harmless sheep. I'll tell you what, you have got to watch out who you hang out with that calls themselves Christians. I want to tell you something. There is a very, 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 very godless religion in our country called PC. It's called political correctness. I am going to be a biblically, biblically a BC, a biblically correct pastor, not a politically correct pastor. You know, I was talking to somebody the last couple of days about what they call hate speech now. Nothing to do about it. Everything Jesus and the apostles preached, they called hate speech. They just didn't use those words. Whatever they come against something that was popular in society to do it was anti-God, and Jesus or the apostles tried to correct it or change it, they said they hated them. They hated people. They hated what was right. 
And so in our life today, in our life today, politically correctness has shut down a lot of Christians. We, as believers, have to know the difference between what's politically correct today and what's always going to be biblically correct in God's eyes about decisions we make and things we do. We don't have to get out of the middle of Main Street with a magnaphone and start preaching against people. But in our individual personal lives, we need to make the choice that if everybody's doing it, that doesn't make it right. If God says this is what we do, that makes it right. And if nobody else in my family is going to live right, I am. If no other preacher in Barstow is going to live it, I am. I'm going to stand in front of God someday, and I can't get in front of God and say, well, you know, they told us we couldn't say that anymore, Jesus, so I had to quit preaching it. He's going to say, I told you to preach the word. It's in season, out of season. I told you to rightly divide the word of truth. I told you faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. No matter what they were telling you out there, you tell them in there what I said. And I'll put faith in their heart and they can live it. Amen? Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. That's, that's, that's worth shouting about. And so I said, beware of false prophets who come dis- disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. He says fruit is how they act. Can you pick grapes from the uh, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You know, I'll tell you one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to go grab at a cactus. It'll stick you. We got some giant rose bushes around the church. Every once in a while, I'll stoop down, pull up weeds and stuff, check the little irrigation things, make sure they're working. And man, you touch those thorns and those rose bushes, they look nice, but man, they'll rake across your hand. You'll be bleeding really quick. Because they're rose bushes. Cactuses are cactuses. They're not apple trees. Amen. They're not almond trees. So a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown to the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We're talking about Christian character. We're talking about counterfeit and genuine. And I'll tell you as a pastor what I've learned over a lot, a lot, lots and lots of years of pastoring is this, and I, I teach leaders this, that in a church you're going to have different kinds of people. Sometimes troublemakers come into a church that are troublemakers. Everywhere they go they always want to be controversial, stir up something, cause trouble. And then sometimes you have troubled people. They're not troublemakers, they're troubled people. They're going through a divorce. They got laid off. Somebody just died in their family. Something's going on. And they were good, good, good fruit producing Jesus Christians that were a blessing everywhere they went. They're going through a bad time. Where they're going through a bad time, that doesn't mean they're counterfeit. That doesn't mean they're phonies. That means they're hurting. And just like, just like an animal. You know, a dog or a cat, or we got horses and stuff. I mean, you know, we got the big pets. But anyway, sometimes we've had to help work on those horses. They've had something on the go wrong with their leg or something like that. 
And good horses, they're big. You reach down to touch them, and because they're hurting, they kick. You've got a good dog. It's been hurt. And you reach down to help it, and it bites at you. Not because it's mean, that's because it's hurting. So you've got to recognize the difference between mean and hurting. And so sometimes Christians around you, you know, you hear things like this. Well, pastor said a good tree can't bear bad fruit. No, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Said a bad tree can't bear good fruit. But you meet somebody and they're really, really, really having a rough time. And you're trying to help them and they're snapping at you. And you're telling them good morning. They're saying, what's good about it? Like, man, these are definitely a bad tree. No, it's a troubled person. They're going through things. But sometimes there are genuinely, Jesus told us, wolves. Vicious. Want to tear you apart in sheep's clothing. And that's people that are just bad people. And you can pray for them, try to help them, but they're going to hurt you at every opportunity. There's a difference, he told us. But what we're saying is this. Jesus said you can judge character in a person's life to tell if they're really a Christian or not. You know... If you plant trees from the nursery in your yard, and they say apple trees, there ought to come a time after a few years, you ought to start seeing some apples on there sometime. If they say apple tree, if they say orange tree, you ought to start getting some oranges off of there, or whatever the plant is. But if all you ever get, like Jesus said, thistles and thorns and things that hurt you, they think, man, this is really a bad tree. I got a bad thing. I got tricked. If somebody tells you they're a Christian, some of the attributes of a Christian, to me, one of the number one things to me for a Christian is the love of God. Christians get the love of God in their heart. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God's in our hearts. Galatians 5, 22, talk about the fruit of the Spirit, Christian character, said is love, joy, peace. Well, somebody tells you they're Christian, they ought to start having some love for people. They shouldn't all the time be critical and murmuring and complaining and negative and putting down on everybody all the time, not liking anything. And also, Christians love the presence of Jesus. Christians love the Word of God. Romans 7.22, Paul said, my inward man craves the Word. said, I'm hungry for God's Word in my spirit. Christians should go to church. And so if you know somebody says they're a Christian, but all they ever say is, I don't have to go to church, I'll be as good as you. Well, you can just kind of put them on your prayer list on the inside prayer and say, Lord, I want to thank you for them making a true commitment to you. Because when they make a true commitment to Jesus, then their fruit's going to be, they go to church. They find their church. You know, there's so many things that the Bible tells us the fruit of a Christian. I mean, if somebody tells you they're a Christian, then you ought to see some Christian fruit. And if you're saying you're a Christian... Then you all start seeing some Christian fruit in your life, and the fruit ought to get better and better every year. And also, also the Bible tells us in John 15, Jesus said, Every tree that's bearing fruit, a word that I don't like because I've experienced it too many times, but it's a good word. He said, The Father prunes, so it'll bear more fruit. Has anybody here ever worked with plants or anything before? No, you have to prune those dead branches. Well, we got. We love roses at church at home, too. we got lots of rose bushes at home. And I know that these roses get great big, but they keep on growing new branches and stuff. 
But the more branches they grow, we don't get more fruit. We get less fruit off those rose bushes because those other ones are sucking up a lot of the nutrients and the stuff that gets into them. And so our roses get smaller and fewer. So every once in a while, we have to get the snips out and cut branches off. But then the next season when roses start again, we get better roses and bigger roses. Things happen because they've been cut back. Well, in our life as Christians, sometimes we're in a service like this, looking at the Word of God, and all of a sudden... A verse comes out, here's how you need to live. And if you don't live this way, you're not going to have God's best in your life. All of a sudden, the first thing that happens, first thing that happens on the inside, you tighten up and go like this. And then if you're carnal, your first thought is, if I wasn't boxed in, I'd walk out right now. And then your next thought is, well... I was looking when I came here, and I guess I leave there. I'm still looking because I don't like that. You know what? I kind of think those little plants, sometimes if they can talk, when you go snip like that, they're going to go, ouch, don't do that. But Christians, when we cut wrong things out of our life, our Christian fruit gets better. And, you know, did you ever stop to think about this? This might be a revelation to somebody. What... Do you do when you see fruit on a plant or a tree? You pick it. You pick it off. Don't get offended if you're getting picked on. <laughs> if people see you, they're going to pick at your fruit. And then you're going to get offended. But when they're picking at your love walk, that's when you love more. When people around you are getting fitful, temperamental, your peace is being picked at. Peace is one of your fruits. When things don't look well, that can be depressing. Your joy is being tested. That's fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And then there's another fruit of the Spirit that Christians don't like to hear about. It's called long-suffering. And that long, I pronounce it this way, when it says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, I go long-suffering. Sometimes you go through some things you don't like being in. Lots of times you're on jobs. And God gave you the job. You prayed for the job. You got blessed with the job. And the devil don't want you having the job. So he plants people around you on the job. It might be a boss. Or if you're the boss, it might be an employee. But somebody gets planted on you and you get tested on that job. Either they're lazy and won't do the job, you have to do theirs too. Or they do things that you all get penalized. And so you have to suffer through that situation a long time while you're praying for them. And the way I always pray for people like this, I'd, I'd pray, i say, Lord, I want to thank you for this job. And I want to thank you for dealing with them. You're going to work with them. And Lord, this job is my livelihood. I love my job. I'm in on this job. Lord, I tithe off this job. You bless me with this job. And so, Lord, if they won't change... Then transfer them. Do something with them. I don't want to see them lose their job and get fired, but Lord, that's between you and them. But if they're not going to do their job right, then Lord, I want to thank you for moving somewhere where they're happy and they can do their job because I love my job, Lord, but they're making it miserable. But while that's going on, you got a fruit called long-suffering. You can suffer a long time through what's going on around you 
all the time while you're praising Jesus. And he'll change things. Amen. Anybody ever experienced that on the job besides me when I was out there? Amen. I'll tell you what, I had some good jobs sometimes. I had some people who were burgers. Man, I wanted to pick them. Amen. And so we keep on reading. Uh, you can take that off the tape, but it goes on the... <laughs> Not really. That wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay, so then he said, verse 21. Now look at this. Jesus said this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On Judgment Day, somebody said, I don't believe in that. Well, I'll tell you what, how God looks at it. God says, when I put something in the Bible, whether you believe it or not, I'm not going to change it. Amen. Amen. God tells you in the Bible how it is, how it's going to be, and your little old unbelief is not going to change God. So God said on Judgment Day. You know what that tells me? There's going to be a judgment day. And so I want to be ready for judgment day. How about you? Jesus said on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, this is really sad. I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's laws. You who breaks God's laws. I think about that young potential Marine recruit that my son Joe talked about. That guy wanted to be called a United States Marine, but he never made it because he didn't follow the rules. He didn't do right. So we as Christians want to do right. So in this passage right here, Jesus is talking here about your character. He's talking about your character. God is more concerned about how you act away from church than in the church. God is more concerned about how you act out there than in here. It's easy to not cuss or talk negative or watch pornography while you're sitting here hearing a sermon. Or to badmouth others while hanging out with other Christians in church. That doesn't take a lot of faith and spiritual discipline, but it takes genuine faith to live right and talk right in the atmosphere of the unsaved world. It takes genuine faith to not cuss out there where everybody else is cussing. It takes genuine faith not to badmouth the president or spiritual leaders around you when everybody else is doing it. And out there, around the unsaved people of the world, that's where your faith should be seen the most, not just here at church. Amen. I get amen out of it. Better amen than that. Amen. Out there is where it needs to shine. And so anyway, I want to look one more time at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look, look at a couple more things here. Second Timothy chapter 1. They're going to point out some things to help us to live that genuine life and not be counterfeits. I remember your genuine faith, 
For you share that faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Uni. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So I want to say this. How many here, and I'm not setting you up for an altar call, just, just a sincere question. I'm not going to call you anything. How many here have asked Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior? Hey, Amen. Well, if your hand's up, you've got genuine faith. you got the same faith that Paul had. You've got the same faith that Pastor Timothy here had. That's the faith of God in your heart. You've got genuine faith. So because you've got that then, notice this next verse, verse 6. He said, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. I laid my hands on you. He said to fan into flames what's in you. So you must throw spiritual fuel on your inner man. What's on the inside of you? You've got to fire it up sometimes. You know, I think about what Mrs. Pastor was doing this morning. That might have looked kind of strange and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, we're a pretty stiff church. We're kind of religious. I came into the Christian faith back in 1980 in a Pentecostal church. Our church was half black. It was half white. Holy rollers. You never know what was going to happen to that church. We had an organ. It wasn't a religious organ. It was a Holy Ghost Pentecostal organ. We had a fancy piano. Had people on drums. Guitars and a lot of, lot of people that were so poor that they wasn't embarrassed about worshiping Jesus. In that church, people spun, danced, jumped, shouted, fell out of the spirit and jumped up healed. People came in, they got delivered and they were wild. And there was a move of God across our nation. For lots of years, up into the early 90s, really, I think, or no, probably beyond that, maybe the late 90s, where most Holy Ghost churches, you came in, they were drunk in the spirit, wild dancing, jumping, singing, running, the word of God, worshiping, things happened. And so this morning, up there doing that, and I'm the pastor. And I'm just sitting, don't do that. Don't, don't make me do it. No, don't do, stay away from me. <laughs> Don't do that. We've got new people in here. Don't do that. No, don't do that. And then on the inside, though, I remember those thrilling days of yesteryear. I remember when I was the ringleader. I remember my first job at the Pentecostal church was to protect the people from the girls that were spinning around. My very first assignment I got in the Pentecostal church. I was a brand new Christian. wasn't allowed to do much of anything because I was new. But really, I was like a Catholic at a new gate because I didn't, when I was a boy, I went to the Baptist church, the Disciples of Christ church, but I never went to a Pentecostal church. But that's where God led me when I got saved. And man, they had to have an assignment. They had these wild people jumping and spinning, especially these young girls. Man, they would just go like that. And man, they go like that. And if they did, that's like a windmill. Their arms were out like that. And you had old people that didn't duck very quick. <laughs> True story. True story. And so they didn't have enough ushers to cover them all when, when the fire really spread. There wasn't enough ushers to cover everything. So young guys like me couldn't do anything. They'd let us, we, we'd grab the girls by the hand like that. They're spinning and let us spin around like that and not hurt anybody until they fell. So anyway, this morning, 
was just a very, 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 very small, small, very small sampling for a stiff church. <laughs> but you know what? We're about to get unstiffened. We're about to get lubricated. Amen. Uh, Josh, when you get the right organ player, we can get an organ. <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, he said, fan the flame. And so pray in tongues. Pray in tongues more. At least 15 minutes every day, pray in tongues. Come to church multiple services per week. You know what I found out about my car? <laughs> this, this is weird. But I got an SUV. And I got a better fuel mileage SUV than the last SUV I had. But still, it takes more gas than I want to put in it. But you know what I found out? I've just been lately led to get down to half a tank instead of all the way down. Somehow or another, it makes me feel better just to go halfway and fill it up. It doesn't cost so much for a fill-up as going all the way down. It makes me feel better. And so, for some of you Christians that just get filled up on Sundays, why don't you just get halfway down and come on Wednesday? I get filled up. Get filled up twice as often. And I'll tell you what, it's going to make you have twice the joy. You're going to be able to be more freed up out there in the world. What's it going to hurt you to come in and get more? You're fat in the flames. You're fat in the flames. And, and, and also, get on your knees in your private place during the week. In your bedroom, in your living room, wherever you are, where you be by yourself, where somebody doesn't see you except Jesus, get on your knees. Just raise your hands. And if you don't know how to talk to him, just simply say, Jesus, I love you. I want to live better for you. And then think about something he's done for you. For me, I thank him that when I was 16 years old and went in a drunken accident, and I was the drunk at 16 years old, totaled a car. Police said I was dead. I thank you that my Baptist grandma, the only Christian I knew in my whole family, was praying for me. And so they sent the coroner away and took me to the hospital instead and sold my head up and I come out healed. I thank you that at 17 years old, 16 years old, I didn't go to hell. I thank you that when I was 19 years old, had my appendix ruptured. And I had peritonitis. And the doctors told my wife and my mom, he's got less than a 50-50 chance to make it through the night. In the hospital 11 days as a center between life and death. And I came out of there. I still thank him for that, that I didn't die back then. I thank Jesus for that. He didn't let me go to hell. And so what I'm saying is this, to fan your flames, be grateful for what God's done for you. Amen. Fan your flames. Notice verse 7. For God gave you, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We have self-discipline. What that means is this. Use it. In Jesus' name, you can't control your tongue. You don't have to have the last word. You don't have to let them have a piece of your mind. You don't have to cuss them out. Hey, bad. Uh, you can't control your smartphone. Hey, man, I guess it is smart if it's smarter than you and it's got you addicted. You can control your smartphone. You can lay it down. You can shut it off. You can go to bed at a decent time. So you get up early and spend some time with Jesus. You can do that. 
You got that spirit of discipline. And then verse eight. Look at this. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And I want to say this. Be brave and talk about Jesus every day, everywhere. And let me give you a secret. What you spend the most time doing in private is what you talk about most in public. If you're addicted to video games, you'll, you'll want to hang around other junkies and talk about it. If you're addicted to sports of one kind or another, that's all you do in your spare time, you'll talk about it. Well, why don't you get addicted to Jesus? If you spend time with Jesus in private, it's not hard to talk about our Lord in public, if that's who you're hanging out with. Amen. Is this helping anybody? And then verse 9, verse 9, this is where the shoe rubs for a while till it starts to fit in right. It said, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. God called us to live a holy life. That means more and more say no to sin and yes to Jesus. More and more say no to wrong and yes to right. And as I close, there's one verse that I want to look at. I tell you a little personal story how this verse changed my life. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I want to tell you a story. About this verse that still is real to me today as the time period it acted in. It happened in. Verse 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, back in January 1980, when I first got saved, I drove a. Big truck around the downtown inner city area of Indianapolis. And several times a day, I drove past a big, large brick church. How many ever heard of Martin Luther King? How many ever heard of Bobby Kennedy? How many ever saw on TV the day that Dr. King got assassinated, Bobby Kennedy on the steps of this big church making a speech? Every day, several times a day, I drove past that church in my truck. That was on my route in Indianapolis. That's where he was when he gave that speech on those steps of that church. Every day I looked over there at that big, beautiful church. And then right up the street from that church was a little old wooden church. A little bitty old wooden church. And in the front yard, I don't know if they even have churches like this in California, but a lot of the neighborhood churches there, they had these little wooden things with a glass on them. And the glass says service times or something special coming going on. They had that scripture, Hebrews 12, 14, on that church. I look over at that church where Bobby Kennedy was. And a little ways up the road on that street, I'd see that little church. And I'd see that verse. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And when I'd see that, I was a brand new Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I was from a family where everybody fought everything, everybody, and they'd fight at the drop of a hat, they'd drop the hat so they could fight. That's all I come from, that kind of atmosphere. And I see that scripture. And when I see that scripture, driving my truck, I'd look over and I'd see that little church and see that scripture. 
It's like on the inside I would fear and tremble. And I would think, follow peace with all men in holiness. God began to mold my Christian character in that truck when I saw that church in that verse. That jumped off of me and jumped off of me and jumped off of me. On the inside of me, I felt the reverential fear of God every day. I drove past those churches every day, several times a day. And every day, it's just like my eyes would be drawn to that little church over there. I'd see that scripture. And what I do, I'd just think, this is real, this is real, this is real. And so all the, all the, all the fighting in me got purged by reading that verse on that church side. All the wanting to do wrong things were purged from me, reading that church side. God said two things. What got me, he says this, is without these two things, nobody see the Lord. I thought, man, I want to live at peace with everybody. And I want to live holy. Because God said I won't see him if I don't. And so anyway, those verses changed my life. And Jesus used that sign to get me to where I am today. So I just want to leave this with you. I pray these words speak to your heart. And you choose today to make changes and adjustments if you want to see the Lord. If you want to live in genuine Christian faith, think about your character more than impressing your fellow Christians in church. You can, you can have genuine faith, so don't allow the devil to deceive you to live a counterfeit life. Don't allow the devil to deceive you to live a counterfeit life. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.